Oh, good morning. Welcome. It's good to see everybody this morning. We're starting a new series today, and the series is called Immovable. It's about, it's about standing your ground in a culture of chaos. Now, can anybody tell me, what, what does chaos mean? What's the definition of chaos? Anybody? What do you think of when you think of chaos? Your house. Your house. Good, good. I, I can totally understand that. Okay, anybody else? What? A mess. All right, a mess. Anyone else? Good. Confusion. Good. Anyone else? You're all coming really close, but you're missing it by that much. Does that mean anything to anybody? No, you're all, you're all good. I'm just making a reference to the old, uh, how many remember the old Get Smart TV show? Yeah, chaos. Anyway, that's just neither here nor there. But chaos is, it's a mess. It's confusion. It's your house. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, complete, it's defined as complete disorder and confusion or a state of utter confusion or disorder. Now, when you think of immovable, what does that mean? What, what, what does it mean to be immovable? Can't be moved. Good. Anything else you think of? Do you think of a picture of anything? A rock. A, good, a, a rock. Not a little rock, a big rock. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, when we moved into this building and we started renovating, before we moved in, we bought it and we started renovating it, we had to run a power line from the east end of the building here all the way out to the garage in the far corner, all right? And the parking lot at the time was a mixture of some asphalt, some gravel, lots of weeds and grass and that. So we had this trench that we had to dig all the way out there. And as we're going out there, we had to get rid of these rocks. You know, there's, you know we you dig through because we want to run this conduit with, a, uh, with the, the uh, electrical wire going through it. And, and, you know, we hit big rocks to pull up in that. Well, I don't know, maybe a third of the way back, a quarter of the third of the way back, somewhere along there, there was this rock that we dug around. And we realized it wasn't a rock at all. It was a boulder. And the more we dug around it, it was big enough to be its own planet. I mean, this thing was huge. And it became quickly became very clear that we were not going to be able to pull that thing out of there. So we tried everything to break it up. We're out there with sledgehammers and spikes, and we're out there banging on the thing, just, you know, just hitting it and trying to break it up so we could, you know, get through. And that we even had a jackhammer out there. I mean, we're out there, you know, with a jackhammer trying to break up this rock, but it wasn't budging. It wasn't about to budge, and finally we had to bend the conduit that we were running around it because that rock was not going anywhere. Nothing could shake it, nothing could break it, nothing could move it. When I think of a movable, I think of that rock that is still out there somewhere under the asphalt. Um, it was, it, I mean, we tried everything short of, of, of dynamite to get rid of that thing. And we, you know, probably would have tried that, but we're not allowed to play with it. But anyway, we, you know, it was simply immovable, wasn't going to budge. And 
some things in life are like that. You can't shake them loose. You can't budge them. You can't move them. Some people are like that. <laughs> Your husband. Okay. Um, I was thinking more of like Billy Graham. So comparing your husband to Billy Graham, Billy Graham was that kind of man. He was immovable. He was a man of unshakable integrity, unshakable character. And in this series, we're going to look at how we can become that kind of person in a culture of chaos, how we can become a person who is unmovable, who is unshakable, you know, that no amount of chaos can move us. In the Psalms, King David said, Psalm 62, 2, talking about the Lord, he says, he, is, he alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Now, all of us can get rattled some, you know, from time to time. And, you know, we may feel the ground move beneath our feet and, you know, cause us to catch our balance. But when God is your rock and your fortress, you'll not be greatly shaken. And that is going to be the kind of the theme of this series. How do we do that, though? How do we get to that place where the chaos of life is, is, is not going to be able to greatly shake us? That's, that's the questions we're going to be answering. Because, you know, we, we, we're, we'll look at different kinds of chaos that we encounter. Just general chaos that happens in life. Chaos that comes about from, you know, trying to spin too many plates at one time. <laughs> chaos that comes about from conflict. We're going to talk about all these, but today we're going to look at um, possibly the worst kind of chaos at all, um, and that is the chaos that we create for ourselves. Have you ever created chaos in your life? I mean, it's your doing and you know it. You know, maybe it's, you know, it, it may be that we make decisions from a place of uh, of a lack of wisdom, or even just, you know, maybe it's stubbornness. We want our own way. We want to do what we want to do, and that's it. And, you know, in other words, <laughs> sin issue and that. But, you know, bottom line is we all do things. We all do things, and we all make choices that from time to time invite chaos into our lives. Just open the door to it. That's how it is for most of us. Much of the time, not always, <laughs> But, you know, much of the time, the chaos in our lives is a product of our own creation. Some of it is, at least. You know, recently someone posted a, a meme on Facebook that said, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes the reason is that you make a bad decision. Right? Anybody ever guilty of making a bad decision? Some of you. Okay. There's a chaos that comes from not being totally honest, too. Uh, but anyway, <coughs> some of you. But, you know, it's not always the case, but it is sometimes. And when it is, we need to own up to it. Today we're going to look at someone in the Bible who um, created chaos in his life in a big way. His name was David, and he was king of Israel. And the Bible tells us a lot about David. It says he was a man after God's own heart. I don't think it says that about anybody else in all of Scripture. But it says David was a man after God's own heart. You know, he won great victories for God's people. Uh, he was a great ruler. He wrote much of the book of Psalms, which is the, the song book of the Bible. He wrote much of the book of Psalms. And yet, in spite of all his victories and in spite of all that he did, he also had some pretty big stumbles. 
And the biggest stumble he had to do, uh, that he had, had to do with a woman by the name of Bathsheba. Now, here's what happened. Uh, it was a springtime, and it was late afternoon, and David gets up from his, you know, from taking his afternoon nap, and he walks out onto the uh, uh, balcony of the palace. He's walking around the balcony. The spring air is, is you know, is, is, is blowing and, and that. And, and, you know, he looks over and he sees a woman bathing. She's taking a bath. And, you know, he, he, he inquires of somebody else and says, uh, who is that? Who, who's that lady over there? And they say, oh, well, that's uh, uh, Bathsheba. That's Uriah's wife. So he sends and says, have her come here. So he, he, uh, he sends for Bathsheba. She comes. Um, he, uh, 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 he begins talking to her, and he, um, he, he, he seduces her. He sleeps with her, and then uh, she goes back to her house, and then a few weeks later, she sends a message to David and says, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And David's thinking, you know, what am I going to do now? How am I going to cover this up? You know, what's going to happen? But he finds out, what, what, what am I going to do? So he says, I know what I'll do. He sends for her husband who, you know, and has him come home from battle to give a report of how the battle's going. He sends for Uriah and he says, you know, tell me, how's it going? Well, it's going here. You're doing good here, but struggling here. And, you know, and gives him this report. And he goes, okay, thanks for the report, <clears throat> thinking that then Uriah is going to go home and sleep with his wife, and then everybody will think the baby's his. Problem is, Uriah was bothered because he says, you know, he's thinking, how can I go home to the comfort of my home and, my, and the arms of my wife when the rest of my friends, my, you know, my, my uh, troops, my, uh, uh, the rest of the soldiers are you know sleeping on dirt and and in the middle of battle right now how can i do that so he doesn't go home and then king david tries him again you know tries again he gets him drunk this time says surely now that he's drunk he's going to go and you know sleep this way <laughs> no he doesn't and he and, and david realizes this isn't going to work this way so instead he says okay i want you to he get, he writes a, a a message and he seals it with a royal seal and he says i want you to you know, take this to your commanding officer. You know, take this to, uh, to uh, your CO and, and uh, give it to him. CO gets the message, opens it up, and it says, I want you to put Uriah in the hottest part of the battle, right up front, and then pull all the support back so that he gets killed. No support in battle, it's easy to get killed. I have a friend who, uh, during the Vietnam War, he was a uh, combat infantryman. He was dropped in to the middle of the jungle in Cambodia and left there to die. Just dropped there and just, just left there to die. By God's grace, he made it out. And... Um, Yeah, by God's grace, he made it out. But, but you know, without that, that support around you, you know, Uriah didn't really stand a, uh, stand a chance. So Uriah was killed. Message gets back to King David. Short while later, David marries Bathsheba. 
A few months later, the baby's born, and nobody's the wiser. He's thinking, wow, got rid of that one. He thought he had gotten away with it. But the thing is, we never get away with God. We, we, we can never pull anything over on him. You know, he, and, and, you know, and, and God sent uh, uh, the prophet David to confront David. And when David was confronted, he entered into a time of soul-searching, a time of repentance, and ultimately restoration. Now, this is the time frame in which he wrote Psalm 51. We said he, he wrote much of the Psalms in the Bible. This is the time frame that he wrote Psalm 51, containing some of the most personal and moving words in Scripture. <laughs> Today we're going to look at some of these verses as well as a few others, and, and we're going to consider how to correct the self-inflicted chaos that's in our lives. Now, most of us here, I would say, have never plotted or conspired to have somebody killed. But all of us at one time or another have invited chaos into our lives by the things we've done and by the choices we've made. You know, for years, for years... I dealt with the chaos of debt in my life for years. And, and it was all due to, um, well, I can pinpoint exactly. I don't know what the date or time was, but I can pinpoint the exact event that started it off because it was my choice. I wanted something. I didn't have the money to buy it, so I bought it on credit. And that is the choice that started off. Um, I, I mean, it was, a, it was a small decision with huge consequence that led to years of, um, of, uh, of debt. Now, we've all done things where we've made choices like that, right? that have brought chaos in our lives. And then there are those times that there's willful disobedience and where we've just left, left the door wide open. Solomon said this in Proverbs 11.5, The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. In other words, this is what it's saying, sin brings about its own punishment. You know, sometimes people see God just as, you know, sitting on the sidelines in our lives, waiting for us to mess up so he can get us, right? You ever think that God's just waiting there, waiting, thank you, that he can get, you know, just like, I'm just waiting there to get you. God doesn't do that. He's not waiting there to get us. He doesn't have to wait there to get us. It's our own decisions that get us. It's our own choices that get us. You know, the Bible says that, that sin is crouching at the door. It's a chaos of sin that brings our, our that, that, that sin brings in our lives. It's that chaos that gets us. So what do we do about the chaos that we create? And it's not always sin. Sometimes it's just wrong choices. Three steps we need to take. One, we need to confront the cause. Confront the cause. Simply start by asking why am I in this mess? For me, it was I wanted something that I didn't have the money to buy. So I did the easy thing. I charged it. I worked in retail at the time. I worked at that store. I had employee discount. I had easy you know, access to 
you know, uh, with, with a charge card. It was no problem at all to lay that down and buy something. And we're not talking about a huge purchase. Now, I know what it was. A pair of fry boots. You know, the, they're, they're, they're this, this high, and um, they were like cowboy boots, only with the squared-off toe. You know the boots I'm talking about? It's a pair of fry boots. And you know how much they were? $65. After my discount and everything else, $65. That's not a whole lot, is it? That's not a whole lot to, to start off years of living under the burden of debt. Now, at the time, we're talking almost 40 years ago, 35 years ago or 40. But at the time, that was about half of my take-home pay for a week. But I wanted them. I wanted them. And let me tell you, I look good in them. <laughs> I was sharp. You know, what is his easy top said? Uh... All the girls are crazy about a sharp-dressed man, you know, right? Well, yeah, I was sharp in those boots. <coughs> Boy, I wish I could take back that decision. <coughs> it was small at the time, but the thing is, then it became so easy. Then there was a coat. I needed a winter coat, and it was on sale, and I had a discount, so I can always buy it and pay. See, it was one, it was an unwise decision that led to another unwise decision that led to another unwise decision. And before you know it, I'm spending years trying to dig my, my you know, dig out of a hole of, of debt. Because then, you know, other things in life came along that were emergencies or there were life situations that didn't have to do it. And, and you know, I had learned, okay, well, I can charge my way out of this. So... I did that. Took me a long time to be able to talk about it because it's, you know, it, it, it's something that caused so much pain and grief in my life. We need to ask ourselves, why am I in this mess? And look at ourselves, not anybody else. Look at ourselves. I read last week that uh, I, I think one of the last things that Billy Graham posted, if not the last thing that he posted on social media, is this. I want to read it. If you went for a walk in the woods, but then decided to wander off the path and found yourself surrounded by a thicket of thorns and poison ivy, who would you blame? Would you blame the person that built the path? No, of course not. Instead, you'd blame yourself if you were honest because you alone were responsible for walking from the path. In a far deeper way, this is what happens when we decide to leave God out of our lives. For a time, it may seem like wandering away from Him doesn't make any difference. It may seem even easier and freer. But eventually, it catches up with us, just as wandering off that path and into the thicket caught up with you. So specifically, we need to ask, why am I, you know, what did I do to contribute to this mess? Where did I go wrong? And the cause of, it, it is the cause of the chaos because we've chosen to leave God out of an area of our lives? Instead of looking at someone else, we need to look at ourselves and ask, what role did I play in all of this? And if the cause of the chaos is, is, is disobedience, is simply acknowledge it, confess it, and repent. 
That's what David did. He said in verses 3 and 4, For I know my transgression, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done right, or, or and done, uh, what is evil in your sight. That's why David begins this psalm the way he did when he said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. He's owning it there. He's saying, my, have mercy on me, O God. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. You'll never be able to rid your life of chaos until you're ready to own up to your responsibility in everything you're dealing with. And, I, you know, I, I don't mean take on something that's not yours. All of us have had people try to put something on us that isn't ours to take on. I'm not saying take on something that's not yours. I'm just talking about taking on and owning up to what is mine to own. Nobody made me buy those boots. I bought them because I wanted them. Didn't stop to think that if I couldn't pay for them now, how was I going to pay for them later with the same amount of income, only now more bills. <coughs> See, the good news is, though, that when, he, when we own up to it and we bring it to God and confess it, the Bible says that he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You may still have a mess to deal with, but now you can deal with it through his power and through his help. Now, maybe your life is chaotic and crazy right now. Maybe, though, it's, it's, it's not the result of you know, deliberately doing something or disobedience, whatever. Maybe it's just a result of making some choices like I made that you shouldn't have made. Choices that turned out to be not so smart. You know, you weren't trying to do wrong. <laughs> you're tr in fact, you're maybe you're trying to do right, but you just made a bad choice. Maybe, you, you know, you took the wrong job or you, you know, moved when you should have stayed put or you, you know, purchased something you couldn't afford. Uh, you know, and it's not a sin issue. It's just, but it's still, it's wreaking havoc in your life. The process for dealing with it is the same. You confront the cause. What is it that caused this? What's the decision? What was it that, that brought this about? And then you acknowledge your role. Okay, I did this. I decided that. I chose this. You know, acknowledge your role. And, you know, acknowledging your responsibility, you know, whether it's for something you deliberately did wrong or just unwise and wrong choices. And then the second step is correct your course. Correct your course. In addition to asking, where did I go wrong? We need to ask two more related questions. What could I have done differently? What should I do now? What could I have done differently and what should I do now? The answer to these questions are, <coughs> they'll, they'll often be similar. See, when, when, maybe, you know, your, your marriage is struggling and, and, you know, you had an argument with your spouse. You know, when, the, when that argument started, maybe you could have chosen a different tone of voice. Maybe you could have chosen different wording. Maybe you could have stopped and started to actually listen instead of planning your next verbal assault. Right? What could you have done differently? What should you do now? 
Maybe you've made a series of unwise purchases and find out now that your finances are in a state of chaos. You know, in my case, I could have waited until I saved up money and then bought the boots if I decided I still wanted them. And rather than pulling out the plastic and buying it. I, I mean, you might be able to tell. I, I hate charge cards. When David had this encounter with Bathsheba, first off, he shouldn't have been at home. As king, commander of the armies, he should have been out of battle with, he should have been with his armies in the trenches. He should have been on the battlefield with the rest of his army. Second uh, Samuel 11.1 1 says, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem, so he wasn't where he should have been. He should have been with his troops. That's not where he was. He was at home, living in luxury, girl-watching. Okay? That's what he was doing. And when David first saw Bathsheba from a distance, he could have turned away. He could have turned away instead of standing there watching. He could have called one of his own wives to spend time with him. And yeah, I said wives. He had eight of them that we know by name. Talk about chaos. <laughs> he could have turned away. He should have turned away. And you know, here, here, here's what I'm saying. If you want to minimize the chaos in your life, then you need to develop a strategy in advance for dealing with temptation. A strategy in advance, you, you, you know, for, for making tough choices and difficult decisions. Decide beforehand how you're going to handle the situation and stick to your plan. You know, during a football game, you get a situation where a team is, you know, suddenly facing a third and 12 or third and 15 uh, uh, situation. The coach doesn't just stand there thinking, oh my gosh, it's third and 12 or it's third and 15 or third and long, whatever it is. What am I going to do? I wonder what play I should run. They already have it figured out. In this situation, I'm going to run this play. In this situation, we're going to run this play. Ever hear of anybody talk about two-minute drills? You get down to the last two minutes in the game, and if you're in this situation, if you're behind by this much, these are the plays you're going to do. This one and then this one. and then. They already have it figured out. Okay? That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. You know, so develop a plan that the next time a situation happens, what are we going to do differently? What's your plan? If you have a history of making rash decisions that come back to haunt you, then, then put a plan in place. You know, the next time I feel pressured to make a decision too soon, these are the steps I'm going to take. Next time I want to make an impulse purchase, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait 24 hours before I do that I'm gonna, and, and see if it's still the right decision or not. You know, if your past behavior keeps creating chaos in your life, then it's time to correct your course and ask yourself, what could I have done differently? What should I have done differently? And then there's one more step that I want to encourage you to take, and that is to create some accountability. Create some accountability. See, after David had um, slept with um, Bathsheba and then had her husband killed, thought he got away with it, but the prophet Nathan came up to him and rebuked him. 
He told him the Lord was going to deal with him about what he'd done, and he did. The thing to understand here, though, is that David and Nathan already had a relationship. They had a relationship. Nathan didn't just walk in off the street. Hey, I'm a prophet of the Almighty God, and this is what he says to you. He didn't just walk in off the street cold. They already had a relationship. He was a court prophet. He already had, you know, he and David knew each other. You know, they already had, he, he already had credibility with David. So God used a man that David trusted to confront him with his sin. And one thing David did right during this entire ordeal is that he was willing to listen to the counsel of godly men. Nathan's words got his attention, and he began the process of repentance. Each and every one of us here needs some kind of a person that we can be accountable to in, in areas of our lives that matter most. Someone who can speak the truth into our lives when we most need to hear it. Now, how do you choose that person? Because it can't be just anybody. First off, you can't trust just anybody's counsel. You know, some it's like, it's like yeah, you want, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, you know sometimes the, the words of friends don't amount to anything. So how do you choose that kind of person? Okay, three things to look for. One, you want to choose a person of integrity. Person of integrity. Somebody whose own life is in order. Doesn't mean they're perfect because none of us are. But somebody whose own life is pretty much in order because if their own life is a mess, they're probably not going to be in any shape to help you straighten out yours. See, Paul said in Galatians 6.1, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, several translations say spiritual, you who are godly, you who are spiritual, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And, got to add this in there, and be careful that, that, that you don't fall into the same temptation yourself, yourself because we're all capable of that. So choose an accountability partner who qualifies as spiritual, somebody who walks the talk. Not, not again, not perfect, but somebody who walks the talk. Second, you want to choose a person who is committed to you. They're committed to you. Someone who has the courage to say this decision that, that you know, you're making may make you a little unhappy for a while, but help, uh, you know, ultimately it may help you become more like Jesus. Decision's going to, you know, it may not be what you want to do right now, but ultimately the goal is to become more like Jesus, and this is the decision that's going to help you. They're going to help you with that. That's why King Solomon said in Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. The NIV says it like this, wounds from a friend can be trusted can be trusted. See, here's the thing about wounds. Wounds hurt. You ever been wounded? Wounds hurt. Okay? When I was um, probably about four, we lived in Speedway. Two older brothers, they're chasing each other, you know, outside around the door. You ever any, have any siblings that were like just, yeah, anyway. They're chasing each other. They go out the door, the, the, the back door, the screen door, and I'm chasing after them, 
trying to make them stop fighting, of course. Um, yeah, anyway, I'm chasing after them. Only thing is, they got out the door, the, the, the door slammed shut, and I put my hand right through. I missed the frame of the door, missed the handle, put my hand straight through the plate glass. Um, actually, this hand. Yeah, put my arm straight through the plate glass, and I got a, a wound like this, a scar like that. From the, It wasn't plexiglass, not like today. You know, this was plate glass and just boom. And I had to go and I had to, to get stitches and all kinds of stuff. Um, and um, it hurt. Wounds hurt. Sometimes people have said things to me that I didn't want to hear. Wounds hurt. But when they're from a friend, you can trust them. You can trust them. You need someone who has the courage to say the difficult things that may be painful to hear, but you know their words are driven by friendship, by love, by loyalty. Third thing you want to look for is you want to look for a person who is equally accountable to you person who respects your opinions and your perspective as much as they respect your as much as they respect their own Solomon said in Proverbs 27:17 as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens a friend it's a reciprocal relationship it's not a person who stays from a distance and says this is what you need to do you know, we all have those people in our lives, right? You just need to do this. But you want a person who's committed to you and is willing to rather than just say, you just need to do this, they come alongside and say, hey, let's walk through this together. I'll stand with you. I'll stand at your side. And I'll help you. I'll give you my, you know, advice as I see it. But I'm going to walk through this with you. We're going to get God's wisdom on this matter together. And we're going to put his principles into practice and we're going to get you back on track without, you know, the constant turmoil. You want somebody who's going to be like a Nathan in your life. Now, a few of the verses today came from the book of Proverbs. Who wrote the book of Proverbs? Solomon. King Solomon wrote most of Proverbs. The Bible calls him the wisest man who ever lived. What do you know about Solomon? Who were his parents? Anybody know who Solomon's parents were? David and Bathsheba. What's that tell you? It says that after David messed up his life big time, he was able to restore peace to the chaos. He sought forgiveness and restoration. He married Bathsheba. And he gave her and, and, and gave her a son who was destined for greatness. 
situation that you that you know you'd look at and think now what in the world good can come out of this and god was saying hey there's not a situation that you face that i can't redeem there's not a life that's ever been lived and gone off stray that i that 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 i can't restore god's power is able to restore anyone able to redeem it god can take the most chaotic life and bring it back to a place of stability and a place of peace and if you're in the middle of a chaotic moment in your life right now i want you to know that god can redeem your situation he can restore his mercy is that big his grace is that strong and he wants to help you get back on track. You can overcome the chaos, even chaos that we create in our own lives. It took years. I finally got out of debt. You can overcome the chaos when you confront it head on asking the right questions, listening to the right people, and following up with the right steps. When you do that, you can experience through God's power a restoration of stability and peace. I'd like our worship team to come up. I want us to pray. Every one of us probably has some level of chaos in our lives that we've invited ourselves, that we've created for ourselves, because we don't always get it right. We make choices that we look back on and think, yeah, that probably wasn't the right choice. Should have done this and should have done that. But we can either listen to the enemy say, hey, Look what you did and let him tear us down or listen to the voice of God that's saying, yeah, I'm aware of the, the I, I, I'm, I'm fully well aware of all of that, but hey, let's make this right. Let's restore, let's redeem, let's change the course. So I want us to pray. Close your eyes, bow your heads. Father, we ask right now that you would just come in the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, where we have invited chaos into our lives, where we've been the cause of it, not all the chaos is, is our, uh, our doing. We'll talk about those other things in upcoming weeks. But Lord, for the stuff that we've caused chaos in our lives, for that, we ask you to show us our part. Show us where we made wrong choices or decisions. Show us what our part is in that, Lord. And show us what we could have done differently. Because we always could have done something differently. So, Lord, show us that in your love in your faithfulness, in your gentleness, show us that. And then show us what to do now. Lord, we're listening. 
We don't want to invite more chaos into our lives to complicate things even more. So, Lord, we're listening to you. Speak to us and show us what to do now. Give us eyes to see who's around us and who can be an accountability partner, who can be someone that will speak truth into our lives in a spirit of love and faithfulness. Show us, Lord, who it is that, that um, we can create that atmosphere of accountability with. It's going to be the right person for the right area of our lives. And then come and restore peace. Restore stability in our lives. That when it comes to following your ways, Lord, when it comes to living the life that you laid before us and you intend us to live, that we can be immovable. That we can stand firm in the chaos. Even chaos we've invited ourselves, Lord. We want to stand firm. And as we learn to do that, the chaos just seems to begin to dissipate and go away because it can't have the effect that it's trying to have. Holy Spirit, come. As we hand these areas over to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We could go ahead and have the ushers get ready. Um, I guess you are. Um, we're going to go ahead and pass the bags as we do. Put that fluorescent green card into the bag as it comes by. I'm looking forward to reading the God stories, the God sightings on the cards, um, or, or to find out how we can how we can be praying for you. Um, we do pray over those cards. Also, as we uh, uh, begin to worship with this last song, um, we worship with our hearts, we worship with our spirit and our soul with our voices. We also worship with our giving of tithes and offerings, saying, God, I trust you. Trust you with these finances. So let's stand. And as the worship team leads us, we'll go ahead and, and uh, ushers will come and we'll worship through the sharing of our stories, the sharing of our tithes and offerings, uh, the, the sharing of, of, of our voices as we sing. Holy Spirit, come right now. Jesus.